0: power in Russia is an understatement. Reared on theorizing, arguing, and dreaming of the wondrous day of the revolution yet to come, this tiny handful of fanatical revolutionaries were astonished to find themselves suddenly in charge of a huge empire spanning 11 time zones. On the 26th of October, realizing that he was head of a revolutionary government with supreme power and really could order anything by decree, Lenin confided to Trotsky, in German, Es schwindelt, it takes your breath away. A modern colloquial translation would be, I'm gobsmacked. Not everyone shared the Bolsheviks' delight. From the very start, the Red Conspirators found themselves surrounded by hostile forces, both within and without their ruined and fragmented nation. It was a challenge to which they rose without hesitation. For these professional revolutionaries, raised on that half-baked mixture of Hegelian philosophy, Dickensian social observation, and dated mid-Victorian economic theory that we know as Marxism, this elemental struggle against the dark forces of imperialism and capitalism was their very life. They not only expected trouble with foreign governments, as good communists they positively encouraged it. The reason was simple. As lifelong students of Marx and Engels, Lenin and his fellow revolutionaries were class warriors to their very core. They therefore knew that foreign governments would automatically oppose their new regime because every foreign government was dominated by the ruling class, the bourgeoisie. Revolutionary Marxists everywhere understood that they were engaged in a war between the classes, from whatever country. The bourgeoisie was their class enemy at home and abroad. Marx had said so. The result was that on the day that they seized power, Lenin and his Bolsheviks automatically declared a de facto ideological war on the imperialist and capitalist bourgeois scum, in Lenin's own words, who ran every foreign government. To them, this class conflict was preordained and inevitable, making any deed against the bourgeoisie permissible in the sacred name of the revolution. Spreading the revolution to the oppressed peasants and workers of all lands justified any action on their part, however immoral. Anyway, Lenin and his fellow Bolsheviks argued, morality and normal diplomatic relations with foreign governments dominated by their hated class enemies was a bourgeois concept. The party played by different rules. For example, the Bolsheviks dealt with an attempted British banking coup to buy up all the Russian banks and their assets in the confusion of the revolution— by the simple expedient of nationalizing the banks and all their assets, without compensation. The British were stunned at this simple act of robbery, or expropriation for the good of the Russian people, as the Bolsheviks called it, but there was very little they could do about it. The British fought back as only they knew how. The British Secret Intelligence Service, MI6, supported and mounted an undercover sabotage network among the Bolsheviks, especially the Navy, from early 1918 onwards. Russians were well bribed with British gold to report on their party overlords' plans, to flood coal mines and scuttle ships to prevent them leaving port. Any worthwhile centre of opposition to the Bolshevik usurpers was supported and encouraged by the British—anything to bring the Reds down. At the heart of this secret anti-Bolshevik crusade was a Captain Cromi, the naval attaché in Petrograd, armed with a fighting fund of one million pounds in gold coins and clear orders from Manfield Cumming, the original C of British intelligence, to destabilize the Reds' revolution by any means. On the 1st of July 1918, a British special operations force even raided the house in Ekaterinburg, being used as a prison to house the imperial family, in an attempt to rescue the Tsar. The plot failed, and only one daughter, Tatiana, was spirited away to England. A vengeful Lenin ordered his Baltic Praetorian guards to dispose of the original guard force, and then, on the 25th of July, to kill the Tsar and all his family. The British struck back in this undercover war. Their consul in Moscow was Robert Bruce Lockhart, in reality an undercover intelligence officer of the British Secret Service, MI6-SIS. He was ordered by London to raise the stakes. Helped by an adventurous spy called Sidney Riley, codenamed ST1 by MI6, the British now backed a plot to kill Lenin. On the 31st of August 1918, just a month after the murder of the Tsar, a woman called Dora Kaplan, a member of the socialist resistance to the Bolsheviks, fired two shots at Lenin, hitting him in the lung and neck. In retaliation, a few hours later,